All right, that was a little lame for 2019. Hey, do me a favor, and let's give God praise for who he is today. Can we do that? Man, what a great, great morning. Looking forward to 2019 and all that it entails. And uh, if you happen to have missed our first Wednesday service of the new year, um, I, just, I just want you to know, I, I really do pray that um, it's our heart that this year will truly be a special year for you on an individual basis, but as well for uh, all the things that you have purposed in your heart, the things that you truly want to accomplish. And so with that in mind, I really just want to kind of dive into the heart of the message today. And uh, I have a lot on my heart that I want to share. And one of the things I want to do just real, really out of the gate is just ask you the question, and I want you to give me an honest answer now. How many of you are truly believing that 2019 is going to be your best year ever? Come on now, let me see your hand. You really believe it? Do you believe it? Well, if you're anything like me, I raised my hand to that last year as well. Because, you know, it's, it's kind of the thing you do. You know, it's like we're setting ourselves up for the best year ever. And that's what we want. That's what we're pursuing. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing God for. But, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, things don't always finish like we intended to start. And what I want to do for the next, really just the next five weeks as we begin this, uh, really this journey today, is I want us to really look at a framework that I believe can help us avoid from not maybe finishing the year uh, in a way like we could or should. In other words, if you're anything like me, I've set out New Year's resolutions, you know, I was going to do this, or I was going to do that, or do more of that, or do more of this. And what happens a lot of times, again, you can take off your feet running, you can have the best of intentions, but life happens. Uh, sometimes, you know, things just don't always end up the way we had hoped. As a matter of fact, that's the reason why studies show that uh, more than 40% of people who set out to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this goals, resolutions, whatever you want to call it, over 40% uh, throw in the towel and quit on those resolutions or goals within the first six months, and only 10%, in fact, less than 10%, actually accomplish their goals and objectives or their resolutions that they'd set out to accomplish. And what's interesting to me is that, you know, like me, and I'm sure like many of you can testify, uh, sometimes when you experience failure or maybe things don't end up the way you'd hoped, uh, you have a tendency to just stop making New Year resolutions. You, you just kind of stop believing that this will be your best year ever because in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, well, last year wasn't my best year ever. And, and if I remember correctly, the year before that wasn't necessarily my best year ever. And so in our minds, we kind of embrace the idea that I don't know if this is really going to be my best year or best year ever or not based on past experiences, based on the history. And I just want to say that if that's your mindset, if that's the way you're going into 2019, you don't want to miss next week because we're going to be talking about how not to bring the worst of your past into the best of your future. Did you get that? We don't want to bring the worst of our past into the best of our future. The last thing we want to do is we, want, we don't want to bring failures. We want to bring the past into next year. In fact, I've asked my wife, Michelle, to speak next week on the subject of how to bring closure to the past. Because we can't embrace the future until we really bring closure to the past. And so I want to encourage you 
And here's the thing I believe that we can stand on today, and the good news is this. You ready for this? Yesterday ended last night. Can I get an amen? Aren't you thankful that yesterday ended last night? Tomorrow's pages, tomorrow's pages are totally blank, which simply means right here, right now, is the best time to make this coming year our best year ever. And we can actually do that. We can go beyond just saying it. We can actually experience it regardless of the situation or the circumstances. So today is really the first of five steps um, that we're going to look at when it comes to building a framework to help us really arrive at the end of 2019. Actually, we can look back and say, you know what, things weren't perfect, but at the end of the day, we accomplished this, we obtained that, we, were, we experienced this, and we have now the opportunity to continue to build on what God has accomplished. And so there is a, I believe, a step that we all need to not just take, but I think ultimately in our heart of hearts, we need to embrace and believe. If you've taken notes today, I encourage you to jot this down. The first step that we have to really, I think, take when it comes to making this year our best year ever is we have to believe the possibility. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you believe it? Come on, do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Do you believe the possibility? Well, in Numbers chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up or open it up, hopefully there in the app, um, if you have that. Numbers chapter 13, looking at verses one through three, uh, and then I'm gonna read another uh, continuation uh, in Numbers chapter 13 um, that's a little longer. So I want you to bear it with me. You probably are familiar with this story that the people of Israel, you know, they left Egypt. They were in slavery, bondage for 400 plus years. And then all of a sudden God uses Moses to bring the people out. And so here they are. They're destined for their future. God is saying, hey, the best is yet to come. I've prepared something great for you. So here they are. They're poised to take the next step. They're poised to, to embrace everything that God has in store for them. Their future is bright. I mean, it's so bright, they gotta wear shades. I mean, it's incredible. All that God has in store. And then, here's the story. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one, one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tri tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp to the wilderness of Paran. And then we're going to pick it up in Numbers chapter 13, looking at verses 25 and following. And it says this, after exploring, so they went out 40 days, they come back. After, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel, of Kadesh, in the wilderness of Paran, and they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. Well, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it was indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live among the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan country. The Canaanites live among the coast. And the Jordan Valley, and so in verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood 
before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought. When they looked at us, they said, oh, they're a bunch of little, they're a bunch of little baby grasshoppers compared to who we are. But notice the different perspective that Caleb has. In Numbers chapter 14, as you go on to the next chapter, looking at verse 24. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. It's interesting to me how two people can look at the exact same situation and yet both see things totally different. From the people of Israel's perspective, it was an impossibility for them to take possession of the land. But from Caleb's perspective, he was not focused on the problems. He was focused on the promises that God had given to him. And I'm convinced that what happens a lot of times when we think about what is to come, when we think about all that's ahead of us, when we look at 2019, yeah, there's going to be some unexpected twists and turns, and yeah, there's going to be some things that we didn't account for. Yeah, there's going to be some setbacks. Yeah, there's going to be some things that come along that kind of throws us a curveball, and we have to adapt and adjust and make provision, and sometimes it slows us down, and sometimes it serves as a major distraction from what we're trying to do and who we're trying to become and what we're trying to accomplish and all of that. That's life. But at the end of the day, you may not be able to control your circumstances, but you have the ability to choose your attitude towards the circumstances that come your way. So for 2019, to truly be the best year ever, we have to understand that it really comes down to the attitude and the belief that we have in our hearts that God is who he says he is, and God will do what he promises he will do. You believe that? Because we serve a faithful God. And as long as we remain loyal, we remain faithful, as long as we remain obedient to pursuing God's best for our lives, God will take care of the rest. He will take care of the details that are beyond our control. And so there's some things that we learn, not just from this passage of Scripture, but we, I think for us to apply to our lives when it comes to moving forward in faith, really embracing 2019, and really looking at it from the possibility that God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could possibly even think or imagine. So how do you do that? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, is this. You have to recognize the power of your beliefs. You have to recognize the power of your beliefs. One of my favorite people of all time was a guy by the name of Zig Ziglar. How many of you ever heard of Zig Ziglar before? Guy was just an amazing, amazing um, motivational speaker, but more than that, he was a great man of God, incredible 
husband and father, and Michelle and I had the opportunity to spend time with him before we even got married, and he spoke into our lives. It was such an incredible, incredible moment. i never forget the impact he's had on my life. And I remember him making a statement, and it went like this. He says, you are who you are and where you are because of what has gone into your mind. But you can change who you are, and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. I think so often what happens is that we don't quite understand just how powerful our beliefs truly are. And the reason why that's so important is because our beliefs is what shapes our reality. In other words, we have a tendency to experience what we expect. How many of you ever played golf before? You ever played golf? If you want to really test your Christianity, just go out and play golf. You'll figure out real quick whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit, whether you're truly under the submission and control of the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is go out and play golf. You'll find out real quick whether you're living in the flesh or living in the Spirit. I mean, it's just that simple. And so have you ever made a, have you ever lined up, you know, with a putt, and there's the cup, and you got the ball, and you got your putter, and, and then all of a sudden you kind of take aim, you look, you know, and, and then you hit it, and then you watch the ball, and you miss, and you go, oh, man, I knew I was going to do that. Well, if you knew you were going to do that, why'd you do that? Why'd you miss the putt? We, we, we have a tendency to experience what we expect. And so we tell ourselves a lot of times, you know, that this isn't going to work, or that person's not going to come through, or this won't happen. And so as a result, we expect what we have believed in our minds. We experience ultimately what we expect. Well, here's the thing about Caleb and his partner by the name of, jo- of Joshua. What's interesting is that the people of Israel, when it came to their belief system, their belief system was faulty. And I think it's important that in our heart of hearts, we have to examine what beliefs are we holding in our hearts because there are limiting beliefs that sometimes dictate or shape, if you will, the reality of our future. In other words, the Bible says it this way in Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So we, once again, we have a tendency to experience what we expect. If we believe bad things about the world, which is typically where our limiting beliefs have a tendency to show up is the perspective of how it kind of skews or taints our perspective of the world. In other words, when you think about the world, when you think about the economy, when you think about everything going on in our culture, and our society, if you see it all from a negative point of view, if your belief system is that everything is bad and gloom and doom, then that's typically what's going to form your reality. The same is true when it comes to the limiting beliefs we have toward other people. If you have a tendency to look toward other people with skepticism and cynicism and negativity, then all of a sudden that's going to form and shape the reality between you and those other people. At the same time, it has a a tendency, in other words, our beliefs have a way of shaping the view or the perspective we even have of ourselves. So if you don't like yourself, if you're not happy with yourself, if, if you blame yourself for a lot of things that have happened in the past or situations or circumstances that, that maybe you've brought upon yourself or others have brought upon you, and all of a sudden you've turned that inward and you're carrying all of this negativity when it comes to looking yourself in the mirror, if you don't like who you are, then all of a sudden the beliefs that you are repeatedly telling yourself shape and form your reality. 
So we have to understand that our beliefs are powerful. We have a tendency to experience what we expect. Well, Joshua and Caleb did not have limiting beliefs. You see, the people of Israel, when they compared their situation to the people living on the other side, the land of Canaan, the place that God had promised, God simply said, all you got to do is just cross over and take possession, and I'm going to take care of you. But they didn't look at it from that perspective. You know why? Because their worldview had been skewed. Why? Because of their limiting beliefs. They were still living with the mindset of Egypt. Even though they left Egypt, Egypt hadn't left them. So as a result, it had shaped the reality because of the limited beliefs based on the way they saw the people on the other side. The situations and circumstances that they felt like were way too overwhelming. They were paralyzed by fear. And not only that, they had, a, they had this, this, this limited belief about the people living there. Man, they were big, and they were giants, and man, they're going to overwhelm us. And not only that, notice how they even viewed themselves. We're just grasshoppers. We're nothing. We don't have what it takes. So they had a limited mindset, a limited belief system that impacted every area of their life. But Joshua and Caleb, again, they were not focused on the problems. They were focused on the promises. Therefore, they stood on the liberating truths of the word of God and the promises of God. So again, you can either allow the limitations, the faulty belief system in your heart to affect your reality, or you can stand on the liberating truth of the promises of God. And it's interesting to me that the people of Israel decided, in other words, the 10 out of the 12 who went and scoped out the land, came back with a negative report. The Bible says they spread the negative report. In other words, they had negative influence on the other people. Their negativity became contagious. It spread like a cancer to everybody else. So therefore, they said, we can't do it. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, actually got to experience their best year ever. Only Joshua and Caleb crossed over to the other side and experienced the land and the full inheritance that God had promised them and to their descendants. But all the others, a previous generation, never made it. They all died in the wilderness. You see, we can either have limiting, limiting beliefs or we can have liberating truths that navigate our lives. And so my question to you right here at the beginning of 2019, is this. What limiting beliefs are you holding in your heart? What's holding you back? What is it that's keeping you from moving forward? Or what is it that's maybe holding you back in fear from pursuing your dreams, from pursuing those goals, from, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you've written some things down. Maybe you're from your health perspective, maybe, maybe from, your, from your perspective, you think, you know, I just need to, I, need, I, I just, this year, I need to really focus physically on just getting healthier so I can enjoy the quality of life, so I can have more energy and more, you know, more stamina to do the things that I want to do and to, to be the person I want to be for my, for my spouse or my children, my grandchildren, or whatever the situation might be. 
Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, maybe it's a hobby. You know, you've been wanting to do some things, but for whatever reason, you know, you've just put it off and you procrastinated. And in your mind, there are limiting beliefs because you think, well, I just don't have the time. You know, I'd love to do this, but I can't afford it, or this or that. And so we make all of these excuses. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe you say, man, I'd love to get involved in the church. I see all these people that talk about the dream team. Man, I'd love to do more of that, but I can't because of this. Or, you know, I just, I don't have the time. Or, man, I just don't know that I have the ability to do what those people do. And all of a sudden, we begin to shape a reality in our minds. Why? Because of the limiting beliefs that hold us back. And so, here's what happens. Our mind will justify what our heart believes. Did you get that? Your mind will justify what your heart believes. So in other words, you begin to justify the excuses that you make. You begin to rationalize and justify the decision not to pursue certain things because you've already convinced yourself it's not going to work. Just like the people of Israel, when they sized up the situation, what did they say? We can't do it. Turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, yes, you can. Come on now, turn to him and say, yes, you can. Take the word I can't out of the vocabulary. Listen, get rid of limited, faulty, negative thinking. That's why in Proverbs 4, 4 verse 23, it says it this way. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Why is it so important that we, that, listen, that we change the belief system in our hearts? Let me tell you why. Because what, the beliefs that we hold in our heart has a profound effect on the way we think. And the way we think has a profound effect on the way we feel. And the way we feel will ultimately dictate and determine the choices and decisions that we make. So if you want to change the outcome of our lives, then we've got to change the belief system that is ultimately shaping and forming the reality of the outcome. Is this helping anybody? I mean, this is so important that we understand the power of our beliefs. The second thing that we, I think, need to understand today when it comes to the power of our beliefs is this. We have to not just understand the power of it, but we also have to confront those limiting beliefs. So we have to confront the limiting beliefs. In other words, at some point, you gotta reach that place in your life where you say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm tired of making excuses. I, I, I'm tired of repeating the same old mistakes that, I've, that, I, that, I'm, that I'm known for or things that I set out to accomplish but I never finished or you know, whatever it might be, I'm tired of making those mistakes. And so you confront the reality, you confront the excuses. Because that's really, at the end of the day, it's what they are. And so we have to realize, you know what? Enough is enough. And we have to realize that, listen, God is not just with me, but he's for me. And I can either, listen, I can either believe the lies or I can be set free from the liberating truth of God's promises. And that's exactly what Joshua 1.9 says. Because Joshua, remember, Joshua and Caleb were the ones that eventually crossed over and took possession of the land. And just before they were about to do that, Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9, God told Joshua, who was now in command of the military, and he was leading the, the people now at this point to take possession of the land. And the last thing, one of the first things, or the last things that God told Joshua before he took possession of the land, he said these words in verse 9. He said, yes, be bold and strong and banish, notice, banish fear and doubt. For remember 
The Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. You know, this. some of you uh, may remember a few weeks ago, I shared something that kind of took place that was a really uh, kind of a breakthrough opportunity. And I, and I want to kind of share real quickly that the back half of that. Um, the back half was is that um, for years, I have had it in my heart to... Um, to do some things to help families. I have just, I've always had a passion to want to help encourage and strengthen uh, families and, and encourage them, give them hope, and, and just um, help, help them just weather through the difficulties and challenges of married, married life and through raising children. And so, I can, you know, I've told Michelle time and time again, you know, this is just something that's burning in my spirit. And so, uh, you know, another year would go by and I didn't do anything. Another year would go by and I didn't do anything. And so, and then I began to make all these excuses as related to, well, I just don't have time. We've got so much, I'm so busy with the church, so many other things going on. Even though I'd love to do this, I just don't know that I, not only do I have the time, but I don't have what it takes to be able to even get published with, with even writing a book. How in the world is a major publisher going to even give me any time or day when I don't have the big major platform and we're not on national radio and television and nobody knows who I am? How in the world is that even going to happen? So I begin to, again, form these limiting beliefs. And so year after year, all these good intentions and goals and dreams just kind of went to the wayside. And then I finally told Michelle, I said, enough is enough. Because here's what I've learned. I've learned that if you wait for perfect circumstances and conditions to come, it's never going to happen. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that if you wait for perfect situations, things won't come to pass. Why? Because there's never a perfect time. There's never a perfect situation. There's never perfect circumstances. Sometimes you have to just step out in faith and say, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to dispel the limiting beliefs. I'm going to stand on the liberating truths that God can empower me and help me to do what's in my heart to do. And so I just threw it out there and I said, right, I'm going to do this. So I formed something, threw it out there, and an agent saw it, took it, and we ended up signing a book contract and it's with the third largest Christian publisher in the world. Who would have ever known? And I told Michelle, I said, you know what? I said, that's just the beginning of something that we want to do. And so we're getting ready to start um, a website that's going to allow us to help strengthen and encourage families from a distance from all over the country through a blog that we're going to be doing. And then 1st of February, we're going to be launching a podcast um, all designed to help strengthen and encourage families to strengthen their marriage relationships, to strengthen their family relationships between parents and their kids. And I'm telling you this simply because I'm scared out of my mind because we don't have it all figured out yet. We, 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 I mean, I'm throwing all this stuff out there and it's not even a reality yet. And so I'm going public with it and we don't, it's still half-baked. So I'm telling you that here's what I've learned. That's one of the things that holds you accountable is when you go public with your goals and you tell people, this is what we're going to accomplish. And it allows you to have glue to the things that you want to pursue. Why? Because now you've confronted the limita limit limiting beliefs and you say, you know what? God is with me. Banish all fear. God will help us. He'll provide the resources. We can do this. 
And so we're just believing that God is going to make this our best year ever when it comes to strengthening and encouraging families and marriages and helping them to become all that God wants them to be. So I'm excited about it. But I'm challenging you to do the same thing. Sometimes you have to confront the limiting beliefs that are holding you back. The third thing is this. Not only do we need to realize the power of our beliefs and and confront the limiting beliefs that are holding us back, but thirdly, we have to upgrade those beliefs. What do you mean by upgrade the beliefs? In other words, we we have to upgrade the beliefs from the faulty thinking to the new way of thinking. And this is a change that has to happen. In other words, for some of us, we're trying to put new wine, as Luke 5 says, new wine into old wine skins. And it just doesn't work. Why? Because when wine becomes fermented, the way they used to do it in biblical times is, is that they would, they would kind of take uh, skins, if you will, from animals like goat, goats or sheep, and they would form these sealed packets, if you will, from the skin. But yet when they poured new wine into those skins... Well, when the wine began to ferment, they would expand and it would cause the skins to burst. And so what happens is, is a lot of times the old skins, the old way of thinking doesn't have the capacity to hold and contain all the positive things that God wants to impart into our lives. So we have to get rid of the limiting beliefs and embrace the liberating truths and we gotta create some new wineskins that allows for the expansion and the good things that God wants to bring about in our lives. We have to upgrade our beliefs from the old ways to the new ways that God has in store. That's the reason why the scripture says it this way in Matthew 9, verse 29. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Jesus told that to two blind guys when out of faith they were asking Jesus to heal them. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want, we want to see, we want to see. Well, that's the question you got to ask God. God, what, what, God, what is it? What is it that you can, can do in and through my life? And God's going to ask you once you be specific on what it is you're believing me for. And when you get specific on what it is you're believing God for, God says, well, according to your faith, I'll do it for you. So here's the thing. According to your faith, we have to step out and believe that 2019 is going to be our best year ever. That's the reason why on the 14th we're committing to seven days of prayer and fasting. We're just going to consecrate, we're going to dedicate, we're going to put God first in all areas of our lives. And can I just say this? Let me just say this. I think so often we get so fixated on what we want to do instead of focusing on who we need to become. So we need to ask ourselves the question, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be as a husband? Who do I want to be as a, as a, as a, as a father? Who do I want to be as, as a wife? Who do I want to be as a mom? Who do I want to be as a student? Who do I want to become? And once we define who we want to become, then we begin to make decisions based on the things that are going to help us become who it is we want to be. And that's the reason why we got to invite God into this situation. So I want to encourage you to join us. Seven days prayer and fasting. We're meeting up here every night, 7 o'clock. Seven days, 7. We're just going to believe God to do exceedingly and abundantly great things. Another thing I want to encourage you to do is invite other people into the process. That's the reason why we're starting life groups. 
And Michelle and I, we made a commitment this year. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to start a, a meetup group for young couples. We just want to mentor and encourage young couples. And she's starting a, a, a life group with uh, moms and girls. She just wants to mentor moms and girls. And so we're, we're stepping out there in faith. Yeah, we're busy. Yeah, we got a lot going on. But you know what? We believe that it's better together. We believe that, listen, you cannot grow and become who it is that God wants you to be alone. You need other people in your life. So get creative. This year, do life with people in the context of a life group. Find a hobby, do something around an activity, or do something around a study that interests you and invite people in the process and watch what God will do. I want to conclude by saying this. A number of years ago, Michelle and I uh, went to, on an anniversary trip, we went to the U.S. Open. I'll never forget this. It was kind of like a bucket list for me. I always wanted to go to the U.S. Open tennis tournament. So we went up to New York. In fact, it was the very first time I'd ever even been to New York. And so I was just kind of taken back by the city, and we got to see some of the big sites. And, but uh, for me, one of the highlights, was, of course, was going to the U.S. Open because I'm a tennis buff. And so uh, we went to um, some of the matches. And, of course, they had all the greats, you know, from Roger Federer to the, you know, the Venus and Serena Williams to, you know, at the time, you know, they had, um, it was... Um, uh, Andre Agassi's, you know, last year on, on, his, on his professional career. And so, I mean, all the who's who, the greats were there. And, and so it was just so awesome. But every match that we watched, we were like way up in the nosebleed section. And, um, and it's, you know, not far from the LaGuardia airports. You got the, you know, the air, airplanes, you know, flying over and, you know, make this big noise, you know, as they're flying over the stadium there. And so we were literally way up there by the airplanes. And so you're watching most of the matches from the Jumbotron. You're thinking to yourself, man, I could stay at home and watch this on TV. And I kept seeing all those people down near the court side. You know, they got all the celebrities, the big shots, you know, all the people in the expensive seats down there at court side. But at the same time, I would see empty seats. And I kept telling Michelle, I said, man, one of these days we're going to be down there. That's, that's, that's where the action is. Man, I, I would love to see just how good those people are from up close. Well, during the U.S. Open... Continental Airlines, was, who was one of the sponsors, they were promoting something. They were calling it free upgrades. And what they would do is they would walk around the big stadium, and they would just pick people out of the crowd at random. And what they would do is they would give them a free upgrade. In other words, they would allow them to move from the cheap seats down to courtside. And I told Michelle, I said, that would be amazing if they picked us to actually get the free upgrade. Well, sure enough, they picked us. And they gave us a sign to hold up that said, we just got a free upgrade, Continental Airlines, and we were on the big jumbotron. And I'll never forget, they escorted us literally from the top of that stadium all the way down to courtside. I'm telling you, it was awesome. We got to see the greats. I mean, up close and in person. And I thought to, to myself, I said, man, I can't imagine I can't imagine sitting up in the cheap seats anymore because it's totally different down here. And I just believe that that's what God is saying to us for 2019. Why settle for the cheap seats when God wants us to have a courtside seat at life? And he wants to help us navigate through all of the things along the way but we've got to let go of some limiting beliefs and we've got to embrace some liberating truths that's going to allow 2019 to be our best year ever. 
Are you ready for it? Are you believing God for it? Well, let's get rid of those old beliefs.